ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. I want to remind you up front, you can always follow me on Twitter at the Walk Show Pod, Instagram and Facebook at the Walk Show. And uh, if you like the show, then I also invite you to please like, rate, subscribe, star, thumbs up, whatever whatever the app you, you listen to uh, lets you do. Uh, it just helps the show become more discoverable, uh, gets us plugged into those algorithms. I do apologize, I'm a little under the weather this week, so uh, if my, I sound low energy or anything, it's not because I'm not excited to be here, I just, uh, yeah, my voice isn't working like it normally does. Um, on today's show, we actually have Brett Lindley, uh, who is the co-host of my other podcast that I, I do with Brett called Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a gaming podcast. Uh, Brett and I on Pick Up Your Sticks try and investigate or explore, maybe as a better word, why gaming matters. Um, so we, we, we don't just do news and reviews of games. We look at games and, and try and understand both, you know, personally and then sometimes on a larger perspective, whether that be culturally or societally, whatever you want to call it, how games matter and how they've had an impact. So if you like gaming and like the kind of long form discussions that you find here on the walk show, then, uh, pick up your sticks is going to be right up your alley. You can find pick up your sticks everywhere that you can find the walk show as far as podcast platforms go. The reason I had Brett on today's show is, uh, you know, obviously, over the last few months, I've been openly discussing quite a bit my my own personal journey to self development. Uh, had on various guests. Well, Brett has actually been a really key integral part of that as well. Brett uh, is is also kind of going through a lot of the same stuff as far as trying to find new ways to to get more out of life and feel better about things. And um, he's really been. Uh, you know, a real anchor for me throughout this whole process. It's been been a real pleasure to have him as a, as a friend. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to bring him on and kind of have him talk about his side of that that coin and and just kind of see where the discussion goes. And, and we had a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, as always, today's music is by Misha Zarens. Thank you, as always, to Misha for the lovely music. And yeah, without further ado, let's jump on over to the episode with Brett. Welcome to The Walk Show, Brett Lindley. Thank you so much for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, so obviously, we spend quite a bit of time together already since we do uh, the Pick Up Your Sticks podcast, um, the video game podcast that we started uh, three months ago now, something like yeah. that. I don't know, two months, three months, I don't know. It's been a while, folks. It's been a while. <laughs> you're not on that train, you're missing it. Um, but anyway, so you know, we talk a lot about games and play games together and, and all that stuff, but but we're actually pretty good friends and, and on the walk show, I've talked uh, the last several months a lot about my own personal development and, you know, um, the, the power of habits and routines and discipline. And I've had the life coaches on uh, and things like that. And something that I hadn't really talked at all about, maybe a little bit, but, but not much is, is actually your role in that specifically with me as well. Um, you and I both kind of committed around the same time, or maybe committed is not even the right word, but whatever, came to a conclusion that we could 
could get more out of our lives, could feel better than we did on a regular basis. Right. Um, and so both started trying to develop new routines and new habits and both kind of jumped into it. And I, I've shared this with you personally, but, uh, you know, I wanted to say on the podcast as well. I mean, you've been a huge, huge inspiration for um, for me to keep going in all this. And it's funny, like today I'm sick and I've been sick this week and, and I'm a man. So it's like the end is near. <laughs> it's the like, worst. I've, I've been working on my will for the last several days. <laughs> um, but anyway, the and you you've been trying to cheer me up and joking around or whatever and I, and I I'm normally the one that is that like I'm the one that is always trying to be funny at inappropriate times usually right. to no avail yeah. right <laughs> other than to irritate the person who's upset but anyway and you asked you were like well is it, but you're joking around and trying to cheer me up and you were like is it working and I said well, kind of and and what I meant by that was like like yesterday I felt pretty terrible just head cold stuff to be clear but right um and was talking to you and had just said that I was like, I can't, I can't go for a walk today or anything. Like, I just don't feel, and you were like, yeah, I think that's fine. You know, you can be sick. That's okay. And actually, as we were talking, I actually dressed up, put a coat on and went for a walk and did go for a oh, walk. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. Right. Right. Or like <laughs> secret today, time. Yeah. Well, you had to get off the phone somewhat abruptly. That's true. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and then like, like today we were chatting and you were like, are you going to, are you going to record a podcast? And I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm not really feeling that great. But then just from just chatting with you, I had this like smaller burst of energy. And that has actually just been consistent throughout this whole process, whether it be about podcasting or going for a walk or whatever. There's just so much value in having someone else who's kind of in that same place in the journey with you. Right. That you can relate to and talk to. Uh, it, this is probably just seems like I'm trying to flatter you now, and I'm not. No, no, no. I appreciate it. It's going to come right back at you in a few minutes. So start yeah, okay. That may make you uncomfortable. Of giving you a warning. I'm a monster. Anyway, <laughs> um, but no, man. So yeah, I just again, I just wanted to kind of to start off with saying that that it's been it's super cool, and it's cool because. Like I've got other friends who are really into personal development, but like like one friend specifically who's been doing it for over a decade. And so it's not that he's not of value to talk to about it or something, but he's so much further ahead right. than where I am that sometimes it can be hard to relate to one another. Or on it's that a little subject. intimidating or yeah. you just feel like you're on a different level. It, right. it can be difficult to sink. Right. And then, or I have other friends who like, you know, don't care at all about that kind of stuff, which is right. fine. If they're happy. Yeah. Then they're happy. Great. Um, and so then I can't talk to them about it because it, it feels weird or it feels like I'm like trying to like brag or something. And, and right. none you of don't that... want to be the guy talking about, you know, all you eat is kale salads to the guy that's eating a McDonald's cheeseburger. Right. Right. Like, right. We've so... all had that. Ex we've all been in that realm <laughs> yeah. of being like, I don't ever want to be like that guy. And then all of a sudden you start being like that guy and you're like, ah, no. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Turn into an evangelist basically for whatever right. flavor of the month thing I'm doing. Um, but yeah. So, so anyway, like I said, we just wanted to start off with that, but yeah. So um, I think both of us have developed workout routines. Mm -hmm. Both of us have developed like meditation routines. Mm -hmm. We're both reading both doing affirmations, like a lot of that same stuff we're, we're both on that track of. Um, yeah, just super cool. Just super cool and super, 
it's something that I couldn't have predicted. Like I wouldn't, and that's been true of so many things on this path is like, I wouldn't, because like, for example, a lot of people will say they like to have a buddy to work out with. Right. I actually don't because I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Like like when I work out, I want headphones in and I don't mm want to talk. I just want to do. It's, it's like having a workout. It's in the same vein. The way I see it is like, Mm -hmm. it's in the same vein as having somebody to help keep you accountable, pump you up, spot for you, you know, like Mm -hmm. help you know if you're trying to take too much or whatever. It's like a workout buddy, but for just like self-improvement, I kind of hate that term, but it's, it's what it is in essence, in a lot of different ways, but, but I'm the same way. Like I'm, working on it but i'm incredibly self-conscious especially when it comes to working out like i cannot work out in a gym because i have severe confidence issues and uh it's always been something that i've struggled with in life is you know kind of my own perception of my own self-image and in a lot of different ways but especially physically um i'm a pretty lanky guy and uh and not not ever been a big you know weightlifter or anything like that Um, especially not consistently. So I I tend to, you know, the same, I want either headphones or the walk show podcast, I'm serious or something on to, to listen to while I do my workout. Mm -hmm. And, uh, a lot of times it is the walk show. Um, it's, it's, I listen to it a lot. I love this show. So, (laughs) and because just like our general conversations are motivating and your recent guests have been very motivating, whether they be about life coaching or music or anything else, Mm -hmm. it's, I find something inspirational in most of the people that you have on. And I think that I, it, just cause you're talking about, you know, music or what art or whatever, doesn't mean that I can't apply that to some piece of that to what I'm doing. Like finding the inspiration in somebody that's willing to uh, dissect a musical piece or just find a new pet metaphor for something or talk about a concert that they went to recently. Like I, I'm trying to take motivation from those things to be like, those are the types of things I want to talk about and enjoy and do and so, but again, I don't want to, I would not want to work out, buddy. I've actually, you know, a long time ago, we try, I lived in the house with a number of other guys and we had some workout equipment and tried to get into a routine that lasted maybe like a week or two tops. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, I wasn't against it then. Cause I was pretty comfortable with those individuals and we'd built a bond together, but it, we were young and drinking a lot. So, right. <laughs> you know, that's not going to last long, but even like, was it, wasn't last year but maybe the year before one of the two i had started a workout routine about the same time of the year it's been about about around fall i usually go into some kind of introspective quest Hmm. um but it only lasted about 30 days because i got sick and i mean people around me you i think you had even motivated me at that time a lot of people were like hey you know you can make it you can keep going and everything gets in the way you stop i got really bad like flu for like two weeks and then just everything fell apart. I I didn't go back to doing it again, Mm -hmm. but this go round, I guess has been not only the longest that I've ever done something like this, um, but also the most broad spectrum Mm -hmm. because it's not just, I'm not just going like, I'm going to work out. It's, I find something probably every week, if not more than once a week to adjust about my routine Mm. and you've been like (laughs) it's not i joked around i joked around the other day about this that it's not really like it's one-upsmanship but it was a little because i started with with therapy right Mm. like and that's been something that i've gone back and forth with and struggled for a long time and finding a good therapist and i eventually found one 
and that was kind of my start on this was like well if i'm paying to see a therapist i need to do the work and use that as my mm -hmm. you know accountability measuring stick is like i'm not just going to go talk about my problems even if it's a problem that we haven't talked about. I'm going to work on this other one because I know it's I know it's there, and right. I'm using it kind of like a gym membership holds you accountable to going and working out. And so I kind of started there, and then I shared that with you, and and you were going through and doing um, the the morning routine, the the mm -hmm. reading, the journaling, and writing and stuff. I wasn't doing those things, um, but then we also kind of started picking up on each other's habits. Like I was like, well, maybe I need to read more. That would be a good thing for me. Like this routine does sound good. This power of habit does sound good. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, I, I, we don't do the same exact things. We don't do mm -hmm. the same workout routine. Uh, you know, I don't journal as much or when I do, I have like writing prompts. My therapist is really cool about giving me a writing prompt to, mm. to work on for the week or something or two or whatever. Um, but it's just been like you've just been as inspiring to me. Like I feel odd, like being like you saying that I inspire you. But but at the same point in time, it's like you've been all of those things to me. Like I wasn't trying to hype man you and say you should get a life coach or go to therapy or do whatever. I was just being me and just kind of sharing my experiences. Mm -hmm. And you were doing the same thing. It, and it it really did happen that we didn't set out to be like life improvement buddies. Mm -mm. It just so happened that we were both going through similar types of, you know, events at the same time and being able to share where we are and both being on similar points, maybe in different tracks, but being able mm -hmm. to say like, Hey, I've been doing this reading routine for whatever. And I've been doing a workout routine or, or therapy and going back and forth and sharing those experiences has been equally inspirational because now i have somebody else that's that i can share in that the struggle with like when it's bad uh when i push through and it was really hard i like you're the only person that i tell like mm -hmm. it sucked today i didn't want to do it and i did it anyway and not only did i do it but i did better than i did yesterday right and you know and then you're you you're very genuine with your compliments like that's awesome like you don't go overboard and like ah, you know but right. you do celebrate it and you're like hey good job and and i try to do the same for you like man you went walking out in the the crazy cold when it was like we we had our three days of fall and then super winter hit yeah yeah it was like 20 yesterday when i went out yeah it was a good coat though <laughs> and so it's like that's awesome and and you know we also share in, in our successes and our failures where we're, you know, both of us have stumbled in various routines and things that we've been trying to work on. And we've also both done, I mean, we're doing completely different things in some areas, but can still see the benefits of one or the other and like how things have changed. And I think it's just, it's not a workout buddy, but it's more like a shared experience. And I think that it's awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same benefit that people talk about for having a workout buddy. Right. And I should clarify, I have had workout buddies in the past that were, were cool. In fact, the, the good friend of mine who taught me how to lift weights, uh, I mean, that was how he taught me was we went and worked out together for several months. And, uh, and honestly, I'm eternally grateful for that because it taught me how to lift weights. And I have a, a deep respect for, um, the forms and things of it, you know, right. so and I think he totally instilled that in me. So not not to say that there's never value in workout buddy, but certainly now with being comfortable with being in a gym or something like, yeah, I don't know. I I would rather just headphone up and do it than than constantly 
have the other person take their turn and talk right. between sets and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, 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 I just want to do it. <laughs> but, yeah, I want to get this over as soon as possible. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not delay this, please. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, well, so I, you'd kind of touched on this lightly, but so, you know, in the last few weeks, uh, I started going to see a counselor, a cognitive behavioral therapist, which has been really awesome because, you know, so I, I first came on the show and talked about this book, Discipline Equals Freedom. And that book is great. And I highly recommend it to, to anyone who has any doubt about their level of discipline, which is probably most people, but um, it's a really excellent book. However, it's framed as this like eternal vigilance, right? Now it's right. written by an Navy SEAL. So it's also the, just the language is all war language. You know, like you never know when the enemy's going to attack. And just the word vigilance in itself is somewhat right. <laughs> military, you know, but, but anyway, like it's, so it's, it's really good, but to be perfectly honest, it was kind of intimidating because it's like, I don't know if I can live my whole life, like constantly looking out the window to see if the enemy's there yet, you know what I mean? <laughs> metaphorical window, metaphorical enemy, but, um, but whatever I bought into it, I, I did it. And then, and then I read the power of habit. Well, that felt like the graduation of discipline equals freedom because yeah. it's the, what I've actually discovered is that initially discipline is required to get started in things. But then once you've established habits, then the habits actually kind of reduce the need for the discipline. Like it yep. still comes up. It's not that every day is perfect, it's, but it's there are a lot to tackle though. Yeah. There's way more there's way more days where I don't have to be vigilant and still do the routines than, than not. I, I've uh, actually, so I've taken a lot from, you know, to start conversations and you're reading that I've yet to read it, but, but I have taken a lot from it where every other time that I've tried to get on this kind of pathway, I've tried to stick to like timelines and like, I'm going to work out at 1130 on my lunch break every day or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And this time I'm tying things to other routines and that lets me snowball things. And like you said, it, it takes some of that determination and drive out of having to do it. I still, you know, I'm like, I'm getting ready. So part of my routine is I take the dog for a walk every day. And when I get back, I just consider that my cardio and I move straight into a workout routine. Right. And I may be lacing the dog up and lacing my shoes up to go for a walk and thinking, oh man, it's going to suck to, I got to work out after this, you know? But those thoughts are easier to calm down than if I was just like cold turkey. Oh, it's 11 o'clock. I have to work out. Right. Because it's easier to go, well, I've already done step one. Now I'm going to do step two. And, and yeah. being able to chain it. And now I don't care when I take the dog for a walk. If I've taken an early lunch at 10 or a late lunch at noon, it, it doesn't matter. I am now... It, it it just takes away that need for a timeline and for me to be rigorous or like punish myself or feel bad that it's like, Oh, it's 1135. I'm right. late. Um, maybe I'll just skip today. You know, like, right. It takes all that out. And I've been applying that to a lot of routines, actually, like a lot of self care things that I may have neglected before. I just roll into, if I can find another routine to attach it to, like, when I take my retainers out at night, that's when I brush my teeth and let, instead of when I go to bed or whatever, like, mm -hmm. and just attach it to that wherever I'm close, if it's location and when I get up in the morning before I put them in, I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, so tying it to something else instead of like, oh, well, mm -hmm. maybe I, I'll do it after I have coffee because, you know, no, it's right. just, 
because that's not a, a set space and I'm going to be finishing the coffee like in the office or outside or in the mm-hmm. garage or whatever. Whereas I'm going to be in the bathroom putting my retainers in the case. So right, messing cut, with your mouth literally. Right. And so right. <laughs> so I can snowball that because I'm already there in the same way that if I jog the last couple of blocks home or power walk or take a longer lap with the dog, I'm already energized. I'm huffing and puffing a little. I'm ready to do a workout routine. Whereas if I'm just sitting around, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot, it takes a lot more of that, that forceful determination to get into that. Mm-hmm. So, so I've learned that like chaining routines is makes it so much easier to establish a new routine where like before it could take me a month to develop a new routine. I can do it in a week now or a couple right. of days. And, and it's just, it's so incredibly, it makes it so much easier. And I, I, I'm actually starting to enjoy how easy that is. I'm like, well, if I want to change anything about myself, all I have to find is something similar that I'm already doing because I'm already taking my retainers out every day, you know, mm-hmm. like, so can I chain something to that? Can I chain something to these things that I'm doing? And that way it makes the habit. There's one habit that's already there. Can I chain a new habit to it? Mm-hmm. And that way it already has some of that momentum going that I can get into and just kind of use that momentum to drive that ball a little bit, you know, in a different direction. It's been super helpful. Yeah. I don't feel like that's an insight that I've had before, but that's a really good insight. I I hadn't really considered trying to, to (laughs) find adjacent habits to, to, to tie new things to, but that makes a lot of sense. And maybe I've done that without thinking about it. You know, I'd have to think, I, I don't know, but, um, but no, that makes a ton of sense. And yeah, that's, it's it's really powerful and and you know what i would say and i i know i've harped on this a lot but i so i i think i i, I don't know if i've told this story before or not whatever you people are just gonna have to hear the same stories again this is what I, this is who i am i'm the, the retailer all right so when i was like 17 i worked in uh the hospital cafeteria and in the summer this one particular summer between school years, my job the whole summer was me and this other girl who was my same age that, that worked there too. We were assigned to go to the back of the, the kitchen area, if you will, of the cafeteria and cut fruit like watermelon, cantaloupe, apples, whatever, cut fruit up and package it. And then those packages went to the cafeteria for people to buy right. already cut up fruit. Right. Well, that's like the easiest job that I've ever had. Like it was insanely, <laughs> we literally just cut fruit. There was no quota because it's not like a restaurant, you know, it's just right. a hospital cafeteria. So it's not like no one cares. Yeah. Um, and the girl that I worked with was great and we had a lot of fun and would play around and joke all the time. So it was just a really cake easy high school summer job. So I'm at the mall and I'm, I'm, I run into some friends from school that I hadn't seen in a while and that's what I'm up to. And I, so I'm telling him about this job and I'm telling him how easy it is and how I can't believe that this is the work I get to do or whatever. Cause it's so, so easy and silly. Well, right after that, this Marine recruiter walks up and is like, um, Hey, that's great that you've got a really easy job. Have you ever thought about joining the Marines? And I just laughed because <laughs> any, anyone that knows me would know that right. I am not Marine material. And, um, and then he, and I said, no, I, I'm not considering that. And he said, well, if you always take the easy road, then at some point in life, you're, 
you're going to face something that's really hard. And if you've only done the easy way, how are you going to know how to do the hard thing? And me being the smart ass 17 year old or whatever that I was said, well, you just said that I always find the easy way. So I'll still just find the easy way. And that'll be that. <laughs> right. He was not impressed. I was not impressed. We parted ways and that was right. that. Well, uh, in the last few years, you know, not since I turned 30 specifically, I just thought it was funny when I turned 30, but whatever. In the last few years, I've remembered that conversation and I'm like, what if this dude's right? Like, what if I did pick the wrong way and I don't know how to actually overcome things? Because for such a long time, I've been looking for this epiphany and so like I, you know, obviously I, I had the episode where I talked with my sister about my dad passing. And I think I've talked about this separately in other episodes about perception, but when my dad passed, that was the single most traumatic thing that ever happened to me. Right. right. Well, I overcome that by understanding that I can shift how I understand that set of circumstances, which then changes how I can feel about that set of circumstances. And that's what I did. And that's how I overcame it. And that's how I, I dealt with it. And that's how I don't, feel sad all the time anymore and can talk about it. However, I wasn't able to apply that same uh, skill or whatever. I don't know what you would call it, but whatever. I wasn't able to apply that same set of principles to anything else in my life. Like, for example, weight loss, right? Like, why can't I change my perception there and understand a new set of beliefs and then move forward? And it was because I was constantly searching for this epiphany. And I used to always say, like, Like if you ask an Olympic runner, which is an extreme example, but if you ask an Olympic runner to get out of bed at 5 a.m. and go for a run, there's no asking. They just already do it. Right. But if you ask me to get out of bed at 5 a.m. to go for a run, I say no. So, but I would otherwise say, yes, I think that would be a good thing for me to do. So why, how do I align my will with stated goals? Right. For lack of a better way to say that. And I always have been searching for these epiphanies and constantly thinking about it and talking about it. And and just for over a decade, (laughs) I've been doing this and have never found an answer and just felt very confused. Well, then we stumble into these last few months with discipline and habit and now cognitive behavioral therapy, which to finish that thought briefly, cognitive behavioral therapy is like the next step of the power of habit. Like it's like the grown up version of that. right? Right. So it's just this escalating path from discipline to habits to now the CBT thing. Anyway, um, I now actually think that I have the answer for that Marine. Um, And honestly, maybe it's what the Marine would have taught me anyway, had I went that way. Well, he wouldn't have, because I would have been in military (laughs) for insubordination, but (laughs) assuming that I could have avoided that somehow. um, Yeah. The answer is habits. The answer, I, I, I fundamentally believe that the secret code, the secret key to whatever change any person wants to make is is habits and and i don't like i was talking with another buddy about this and he was like well you might say that but if i think that i've had this epiphany or found some other way to that then is am i not right if i if i think that that's how i got there and i was like yeah i would say that you're not actually i would say that you're not crazy or you're not wrong that you had an epiphany But if you actually looked at what changed, I guarantee you your habits changed. Right. There's just no way. There's no way they don't. Like, I don't believe that there's a way. There's, Uh, 
outside of the real edge case people that like get struck by lightning and become a concert pianist overnight uh, outside of the like one in a billion chances that those happen it's mostly you get good at something through repetition right yeah, yeah. go ahead no i was i mean that's just oh, and, yeah. and that is habit like i mean right. if you change your outlook if you start becoming a positive person you don't just become a positive person overnight you may start to but it won't be until you do that over and over and over again that you then become that thing. So that's what I actually came to recently realize with how I dealt with, with my, the passing of my dad. Again, I thought it was this epiphany that I stumbled into, but that's not true. What actually happened was I got to a point where I was like, I can't go on like this. Like I can't carry tragedy around with me every day. There has to be a different way. And so I would come home from work and I would literally just sit and think about it. And I didn't want to think about it. It was sad. It was hard. It was, I didn't like it. Right. But I couldn't exist that way. So I just forced myself to think about it. And what I actually did was developed a habit of thinking about it in a different way until eventually I found a new way. You know what I mean? No, but I didn't just think about it once and go, oh, I get it. So it still was a habit. There was still a habit change involved yep. that led to that new outcome. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I just fundamentally believe that that's the secret key now. And that's that... And that's not to diminish the work that goes into establishing no. new habits or routines. So not to say that it's easy, but it is easy in so much as that there actually isn't, you don't actually have to figure out something intellectually. You just have to start taking action. Right. And well, and, and like, I, I mean, even how I even got started on a lot of this was I, I had the same thing where I had gotten sick and tired of thinking the same things over and over and it, it really started with um, my posture. So I mm. have terrible posture. I work in a home office. I play a lot of video games. I do not have the greatest office chair. Um, and I have always kind of had bad posture. And I constantly think about it. Like, oh, gee, my posture, I'm, my back hurts, whatever. You know, like it's two things that I always think about is like, ah, I should probably work out more. And gee, my posture is terrible. I should fix that. But I didn't ever do anything. I just thought about it all the time. And I got to a point where I got sick of beating myself up. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sick of always thinking, gee, I have bad posture. Gee, I'm never working out. And so what I did was to keep myself from uh, – I really what I was tired of, I was not tired of having bad posture. I was tired of thinking about having bad posture. Right. So, so that was the thing that I finally decided I need to stop thinking about this because it's just irritating. And I was like, there's only two ways to do that. Either I become completely okay with terrible posture or I at least do something to try to fix it. And so I just made a sticky note that said posture question mark. And I stuck it to my monitor. And that made it a question. 
then I could answer that question. One, it externalizes the thought. So it got the thought out. It's on paper now. Yep. And and two is it turned it into a question, a question that I was OK to say no to. If I'm watching YouTube with chips and salsa in my lap, that's no. I'm slouch timing, you know, mm. but I'm not going to beat myself up about that. And I've already answered the question. The answer is no. And that is an OK answer. I don't think about it anymore. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, gee, I shouldn't say no to this. Well, I just don't mm-hmm. because there's plenty of other times where I'm like I look and I see it. And I'm like. I just kind of self-check in for a half a second. And I'm like, oh, yep, nope, I'm definitely sitting on my foot. I'm going to shift over and maybe straighten my back and throw my shoulders back, whatever. It it takes like a half a second to fix, right? Mm -hmm. And then I don't think about it. I don't think about it the rest of the day. Whereas before, I would think about it maybe 20 times. Like even in places where I'm not like in a posture scenario, Mm -hmm. I'll even – in the kitchen cooking dinner and like, gee, my posture's terrible. Like, uh, it's probably why I'm hunching or why I'm sore or whatever. And just these cyclical negative thoughts. And the same thing with working out, working out started with, can I do one pull up? I was in a pretty dark, depressive state and I knew that I could do more than that, but it wasn't, I've done the whole, like, just spend 10 minutes a day on X or Y or whatever, you know, you've, we've gone through that a number of times. And I was like, I want to find the barest minimum thing that I can do that I can check the box and not think about. Mm -hmm. And it literally was, can I take eight seconds and do one pull up? And if I do no more, fine, I'm done. And Mm -hmm. if I say no, I'm too depressed or no, I'm sick or whatever, that's also okay. It just is the only thing that I was not looking to get better physically. Mm -hmm. I was looking to remove that thought. And, and the constant like beating myself up about stuff. Yeah. But then that one that that stick and it was such a small thing that I would be embarrassed for saying no, because like even 10 minutes can be too long sometimes. So I was like, what's the like five second thing that I there literally can't say no to. Right. Mm-hmm. Without just feeling like garbage, unless I already feel like garbage, then I'm if it's that bad, then saying no is OK. Right. Because I don't want to pressure myself, so it started there, and and it turned from one to two to three. It was still the limit was one. Some days I go back to one, you know, right. And then it was adding more physical exercises and more and more and more. And now I have, and that was all before I started walking the dog. It wasn't until I realized, like, oh well, if I'm walking the dog, I can do my one pull up after that, and then that's I'm done for the day, right? I don't right. have to worry about it the rest of the day. And then that turned into now I have a full hour long routine that I you know, take that includes lunch, it includes a rest time and everything, all self-care, shower, workout routine, everything, affirmate or yeah, affirmations and and all of that at once. It's like all of that started because I not because I wanted to be healthy, but because I didn't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> and I guess yeah, that's a that, surprising thing for me was like No, that was I mean that was it for me too. It's that there's the blind melon song walk. Uh, which is not their most popular song. That's probably the rain one, no more rain or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, yeah, there's a line in that where he says, uh, I need to get to the mountaintop where I can see everything. Cause this paranoia is getting really old and paranoia is often associated with like external, but it's to me, it was just like the, these constant thoughts yeah. of, you know, negatives. And that's the, you know, that's the other thing. That also, though, is solved for me through the habit of, of probably affirmations is probably the one that helps with this the most. But um, 
is getting out of that cycle of, of hating yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about that a lot too, but it's, it's the, it's the thing that, that will, you will fail before you begin. If you, if you can't get past, if you can't forgive yourself, right? Like the truth is of people is that people are complicated and nuanced and are especially American culture and maybe everywhere, but people want things to be very binary and they want things to be boiled down to, you know, yes, no, left, right, blue, red, whatever. And that's just not actually the way it goes. People are capable. uh, An individual person is capable of doing something magnificent and beautiful and wonderful. And that same individual is still capable of doing something despicable and dark and horrible. Right. And now I would argue that there are lines (laughs) where you you could go too far and I'm not on your team anymore, but, (laughs) but whatever. But the point just being that like, like, you know, for me, like I just because I make a bad decision with like a diet choice or something, a food choice doesn't invalidate the rest of my character. Right. That's something that I've worked on. Mm Yeah. Well, and yeah, I'm not, I no longer get depressed about, well, I only did half my workout routine. Instead, right. I'm like, I did half my workout routine while I was severely depressed. That's yep. awesome. I And I will feel better about that. And I will use that to do something else. And one of the other things that you kind of touched on there was just how powerful affirmations are. And I, I'm, I always kind of wrote them off. Like I've known about them for a long time, but I always kind of wrote them off in some level just because it was like it wasn't until you had the podcast where you had said that like well we lie to ourselves all the time we can tell the truth and not believe it and it was that really hit me and and i've taken that like a step further because one of the things that happened is i chose some affirmations that were not always true but that i wanted to believe in yep and what i found myself doing is being self-embarrassed it wasn't like beating up on myself it wasn't like i was being like malicious to myself like i have other self-destructive habits in the past Mm -hmm. instead it was like an embarrassment like Mm -hmm. when i'm saying that i am strong or i am you know in good shape and i eat i eat right or whatever and i'm saying these things instead of feeling bad about it i would find what how can i make that more true right and so like if i'm saying i i you know eat healthy foods then I'm saying that every day and every day I'm like, well, I just had pizza, you know, and then but the maybe the next day is like, well, I I don't want to be embarrassed by this anymore. So I'm going to go eat healthy because it's just what I want to do anyway. Right. And, and so maybe I will have a healthy snack. Maybe I will choose the better, you know, have a, a good side with dinner or something or whatever. And, and I've started using that and I've started finding things to add to my affirmations or change that aren't true yet, but I want to be true. And I almost need that self-embarrassment to get there because, and I don't know, it's not that I'm trying to be mean to myself. It's more that I want to, I want to achieve that to where that is true. It's not that I want to like beat myself up and flog myself to do better things. It's that I want to become the person who says that and then believes it because it just is true. Well, so there, the word you just said is the, is the key. So the key to, you know, you read that the power of habit book, for example, and it, it talks about the AA program at great length mm-hmm. and how 
the AA program doesn't actually align with most academic based therapy solutions or recovery solutions. However, in like, I want to say it was the early two thousands, they started academic institutions started doing more deep digging into the AA program. And, And actually what they discovered was that what the AA program builds into every step of it is a sense of belief. Uh that you have to believe. And ultimately that is actually, now I'm contradicting myself because I just said habits were the root of it. But, (laughs) but I, you know, to back it up, to go even more granular, the first, the the most important critical step that, that has to be there before anything else is belief. But when you're in a bad or dark spot, it's impossible or it can feel impossible to have those beliefs, right? Because, well, I, I, I am just a lazy slob. Like how, how could I believe that I'm not right? And, and, and affirmations are the shortcut, the hack to changing your beliefs. Uh And it's exactly the way that you just described. It's by, it's not by using them to project something out into the future, because if you say, I want to control my spending habits better, right? Well, what you're actually like indirectly inferring is that you don't control your spending habits now. Correct. So even though you're not saying those words directly, you're actually just doing an affirmation where you're constantly just saying over and over, I'm not good enough yet. I'm right. not good enough yet. And that will get you nowhere because you already thought that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so instead when you use the affirmations to create the new reality that you want, the new set of beliefs that yeah, maybe aren't true, but again, like, like you brought up that I'd mentioned before, the truth never got in my way before now. You right. know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it can't be I'm any willing, worse than that. Right. I'm already willing to tell myself things that aren't true. So why not tell myself something positive? That's not true. Right. Anyway. And yeah. And, and the, the affirmations and it, and that's why that's again, where it ties back into habit though, because it's not from doing the affirmations one time. No, like, it's, it's like day three or five where I keep saying the same thing and like, yeah, but I'm not doing the work for this. And I want to the, – the thing is, is I want to feel I, – because I'm a very I, – I, truth and true statements is something that I hold as a core belief. Like I am very tied to the truth. And so if I'm – especially myself, if I'm telling a lie, I feel terrible. And it's not that I feel terrible for telling the lie in this situation. It's just I want to achieve a state of being where that statement is wholly true. Right. And so instead of like being mad at myself for it being a lie, I'm just like, yeah, but I'm in total control of all of this. I created the affirmation. I can take all the steps to do it. I set myself. It's a a goal that is attainable. And the measure of success of that goal is how much truth do I feel when I say those words? Mm -hmm. And I force myself to say them every day. And certain ones I feel more true about than others. And some days I feel true about all of them, but it empowers me after that because if I feel like I said all these things and they're just all true now, right? I feel amazing. I'm like, holy crap, yeah. these things weren't true two weeks ago, right? And now they are. But it wasn't. It wasn't like I said them and they all just magically happened. It, it took the realization that's like, yeah, but that's not true today. Yeah, but that's not totally true today. Yeah, but you could take it a step further. Like, you know, you could improve, you know, 
your self-care routine or your strength and conditioning routine or whatever you could you've been you've not added any reps for a few days you could probably add another rep you know and maybe i don't do it that day but the next day i'll be thinking about that right and i will go the extra step i will take the additional measure and some days i some days i do have pizza and cookies and that's fine it's balanced because i think overall i'm still better off than i was when i wasn't doing any of this Right. So like right. one day of pizza and cookies, like you said, doesn't invalidate a week of eating healthy. Right. So, right. yeah, exactly. Well, and, and yeah, it just, it's so important to not, again, to not villainize yourself. I mean, that's, you know, I've talked a lot about brochure man Yep. and, and the whole idea, the whole reason I had to come up with that <laughs> is just because I had to find a way to rationalize this part of myself that, that makes bad decisions very quickly (laughs) without any, without any real consideration. Just like, bam, we're making bad decisions. Let's do it. Um, And that part of me used to shame the other part of me out of action. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and it was like, well, we're never going to get anywhere. If I do that, I will be stuck in the same spot forever. And so then it used to be that I would get really mad at that part of myself that makes bad decisions and be, I mean, as you know, I can be incredibly brutal with myself. Yep. And um, and I had to just find a way to stop doing that. And Bro Sherman is kind of that because it it kind of puts a little humor. Yeah, to he's it. not it's evil. Lighter, right. <laughs> it's also all just me still, which is kind of yeah. crazy. But <laughs> well, And so I, I'll share something with you that I haven't shared openly with you before, which is one of the things that I've been taking to help control that. Because... I feel that, again, villainizing myself is just another form of self-depreciation, of self-hatred, and trying to be an enemy of yesterday's me or whatever as some – and making it a war, making it a struggle is not healthy because then I'm just attacking myself. So I've started trying to have compassion for that side of me, and when it comes – and like you said, when brochure man shows up the door and is offering me some terrible thing, it's doing it out with my voice, right? Like right, it, it is right. me. Right. <laughs> so I've started taking the time to like mentally focus myself at it and talk to it as if it were a separate entity and tell it, please stop using my voice. That's to say what you're saying is not me anymore. And yeah. you're using something that doesn't belong to you anymore. You're using my consciousness, which it is still me, right? Right, right, right. I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah. No, but, and, but it's compassionate. It's, I don't tell it, stop it. You know, I don't yell at it. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not right. angry at it. I'm compassionate right. and, and I love it. And I'm like, I, I appreciate that you want these things, but we can live without them. And we can do better. And I want you to become better because I want – basically, I want to sell Brochure Man, my brochure, which is becoming the better version of me. Yeah. Can you show up with some positive brochures, Brochure right. Man? Like, hey, yeah, I, I appreciate this one, but please stop giving it to me. And, I, and I'm engaging that thought process as if it was – which, you know, I'm not trying to be like split personalities no. or anything. But I'm no. trying to be compassionate to it and, and to show it the love and just like I would – like a kid like i'm going to treat it like a little kid that wants a cookie and i want another cookie well i know you want another cookie and i love you but we're not going to have another cookie right now 
and please stop please stop pretending to be me you're pretending right. to be me and you're not me if you want to be me you've got to get on my level and help with the good brochures because <laughs> that's what we're trying to sell wow that's great um so uh... I have a, I also, I had a few weeks ago, I had on my podcast, uh, Ashley Thomas, who's a, the queen beyond the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love uh, that episode. I did too. And I really enjoyed talking to Ashley. Well, after that, I talked to her again the following week and I actually decided to sign up with her as my life coach. Yeah. So I'm actually working with her as well. And I think what you just said <laughs> might've skipped ahead a few steps of where <sighs> she is trying to lead me. Because well, because she because she she thinks the idea of brochure man is amusing and you know likes it or whatever, and so she talks to me about that and she was like, I think we need to try. And, she's like, I think ultimately what we're going to try and do is find a way to recruit brochure man over to our side, which is literally what you just described <laughs> doing. I'm and just learning about osmosis through you, right. You well, know, like. She hadn't she hadn't actually explained it in in the way that you had. She kind of like planted the seed. And then kind of like let it go and we talked about other stuff. But that has to be where she was going with it ultimately is what you just described. And yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and it's I, and it's been difficult. I off book because I'm trying to do this damn show and now, I, <laughs> now it's actually really profound. <laughs> I don't mean for it to be. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, it, but I mean, it, it, it has been, it, I, I recognize that a piece of me would yell at that. Yeah, just in oh, my own wow. mind all the time and get mad and that would reflect physically. I would get depressed or I'd be stressed or I'd get mad at something else or I'd redirect anger. And and it's like I'm redirecting the anger that I have about myself into the external world. And that's mm-hmm. that's definitely not what I want to be, you know. Right. Right. And so and I'm not I'm not perfect at it yet. I'm you know, it still shows up, but I'm trying to, to, to again, the power of habit. Every time I say stop, I try to say using my voice and and right. again link something to something that because all the time I would think stop, 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 you know, at, to, instead of reset. And now I'm chaining on to it. Right. Right. And so it's stop using my voice or stop taking control of me. And now it, that's moving further because that's still kind of neutral slash aggressive. And now I'm trying to catch on the front side of that, which is a little bit harder to do because I've got to catch it before that routine starts, which is please stop. And and that's a little bit harder to remember to do because I am I have this ingrained routine, but it's still linked. So it's still a little bit easier to do that than it is to just, well, I'm just not going to respond anymore. And I'm just mm-hmm. going to be positive. It's I'm going to change how I think about myself and change. And that also makes me think about what thoughts are the thoughts that I want to keep having that I want to say are me, right? Like right. these are the things that define me. And then when I do catch myself in and there, cause there's a lot of brochure mans, right? They're not always the same one. Right. And so it's, it's what part of those, you know, can I recruit a whole bunch of them? Can I make me a whole bunch of different positive versions of me? Right. And and can I use that to to affect change for myself and others? Because if I'm not stressed and depressed and negative, then I won't be aloof and and unwilling to engage in activities with other people. Maybe I'll start getting out more. You know, maybe I can use that to roll into having higher self-confidence because now instead of me struggling with negative versions of myself in my head, 
we're just all the same and we are all me and now right. i can go and and approach the wor- the other pieces that have been lurking in the darkness now i can cuz now it's not me approaching the darkness with no backup now it's i've got all these other brochure they've turned from brochuremen to hypemen and now they're all on my side now we can all take something together and it's it is still all me but it's a more complete me and i right. feel like i have been fractured for a long time i have been unwilling to take responsibility and accountability for my own thoughts and actions i've always wanted to say oh it's the weather oh it's a bad day at work oh it's not my i'm not in control it's this outside factor that's made me mad you know and now i'm starting to say no i am in control i'm but i'm going to own it and i'm going to improve it and i'm going to find a way to appreciate it and appreciate the challenges appreciate and respect myself in a way that i've never tried to do before and it's just it's it's suddenly branched out into so many things yeah well it's it's the difference between trying to tame the world to conform to you and instead understanding that it's actually only there is no spoon right, right? like you're the one that has to change you're the one that has to meld and be like water and, and develop mm-hmm. because you don't have the power you're you just frankly not powerful you can't control the weather right that's what you said well <laughs> you're fucked because you can't change it so you're gonna have to figure out something and if you don't then you're gonna be that thing's subject you're just always gonna be mad about the fact that you can't control the weather right until right. you which, accept it <laughs> yeah but you feel bad all the time mm-hmm. right Did you ever watch the, I uh, probably talked to ask you this before, but did you ever watch the show Herman's Head from the early 90s? A little bit, like a tiny bit. I mean, bit. I don't remember it that vividly I don't remember either. much, but. I just remember it was in his head and there was like four roommates mm-hmm. that lived in his head and there was like the fat slobby guy <laughs> yep. and like the fashion friendly girl or whatever. And I don't know, probably all stereo, gender stereotypes oh. that are bad now, but. It was the 90s. <laughs> the 90s. I was rife with them. <laughs> It was boomers trying to appeal to Gen Xers, so... <laughs> right, right, right. The, I, I actually just read today that the Gen X is known as the Karen generation by Gen oh, Z. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, Take Karen. Born in the 70s, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was always disappointed by being... Because I'm... In, you know, you're in you're the same boat. Mm-hmm. 80, you're 84, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 83, but... We're literally like a year or two removed from the cutoff between right. X and millennial, and uh, and I was always disappointed that I had to be in the millennial group. But now that I know that the Gen Xs are the Karens, right? I'm totally <laughs> millennial, it is. Totally, I, I yeah. also think that there's there's a huge difference, and I think we've had this conversation. I had a conversation with another one of my friends about this a lot, which is that there's a huge difference between millennials raised by boomers and millennials raised by Gen Xers. That's true. Because you can be a kind of on the cusp of millennial and somebody right. that's on the opposite cusp of Gen X, or you can be on, you know, somebody who's maybe having a kid at 18 or 20 versus like 
I was born when my dad was 35. Yeah, similar. Right. So he was kind of in the middle of the boomer generation. I'm outside of that. And, and there's just, so I think that there are other millennials that I look at the way boomers look at millennials and there's, you know, that I'm like, Oh gee, the participation trophy or whatever. No, not really, but something like that, you know, and like, I don't want to be a millennial because I'm not that guy. Right. But then there's, you know, there's that difference. And I think that, there are i think it's just such an interesting blend and i bet that applies to like each generation group like how they which generation were you raised by because it's not like every millennial is raised by a gen x or who is raised by a boomer there's right. you know maybe you're a boomer with depression era parents or maybe you're you know however that works out those ideals get passed down in different ways and i think that that lineage chain once i kind of thought about that it changed my idea about how I see generation gaps. Cause I always thought, well, like I am a millennial, but I'm not, but I am, right. but I'm not, maybe I'm just one of those eighties kids. Well, that's a millennial. Like, and so, right. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. So something I kind of, and it's kind of related, but it also just a complete departure from the conversation we were having. Um, well, you were talking about like, to some extent being just like honest with yourself, right. And being accountable mm-hmm. to yourself or whatever. And, um, I was listening to Joe Rogan recently had Malcolm Gladwell, which is probably my favorite. I'm still queued that one up, but I've got a lot to work through. Since yeah, I've yeah. the walk show to my podcast listing every week, I've had to cut sure. something. So Joe Rogan's sure. out. You hear that Joe Rogan? <laughs> Gone. <laughs> he listens, I think so. Oh yeah, that was for, for sure. Um, <laughs> it's one of our many California listeners. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I do have, I do have some very committed California listeners. So shout out to them and thank hey, you. Awesome. Uh, but anyway, so I, uh, they were having a conversation and <laughs> it's funny because like, I normally, like you've talked about this with Joe Rogan before where like, sometimes he's a little meatheady for you. Right. And I'm, I've been like, oh, I don't really get that. But I think it's just because I never cared that much about the the guests, right? <laughs> right. When he's talking to someone that you really, really deeply respect. Right. And not that I've never respected any of his other guests or something. I don't mean that. But just like Malcolm Gladwell, I hold in this really high esteem. And so they're having some conversation. And then Joe Rogan's like, I think that we're like 30 years away from being able to read each other's minds. Because Malcolm Gladwell's most recent book is called Talking to Strangers. And basically the premise of it is why are we so bad at knowing when a stranger is being completely deceived, deceitful with us? And how do we, how do we get better at that or how to, and it just turns out, and I haven't finished it entirely yet, but it turns out at least so far. And from listening to him, Gladwell talk about it, there actually just isn't anyone that's any good at it. Like if you had a hundred people walk in a room, a very like just better than chance, just better than 50%, would you be able to tell who was lying and who wasn't? Any 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 person. Right. And that's just generally true across the board. Um, and so he's talking about how, like, we kind of, de- like, our society is based on a default truth. Like, when you go to the store and it says that the laundry detergent is five bucks, and then you go up and you pay the five, like, everything is just, you just trust that all of that is accurate and that all of that's handled correctly and obviously there are mechanisms like a receipt right. for accountability to see that, Oh yeah, I only did pay the $5. But e- either way, largely our, all of our interactions are based on trust. You order a drink at a 
McDonald's or something, you don't you trust that they didn't spit in it. Right. Do something delicious, right? I mean, does it happen? Probably, but generally we assume it doesn't. Well, anyway, so to me, that's a really interesting conversation. And then Joe Rogan's response to that is, uh, well, I think we're like 30 years away from reading minds. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, what? (laughs) How does that help this conversation at all, Joe Rogan? But anyway, so he then goes on to explain that he thinks that it would be so helpful if we could read each other's intentions and, and know, because we would be able to root out if people were being deceitful. So then we could just cut that out, right? Just cut out lying from the whole mix. And now everything works great. And Gladwell takes some issue with that sentiment to begin with. And they have a little conversation about it that I won't recreate here. But my, my thought when I, when he said that was that like, I don't know if that would actually be helpful. And, And the reason I say that is because People lie to themselves uh-huh. unintentionally uh-huh. and lie to other people about themselves or about. So, I mean, sure. If I was like, Hey, your car's Brown and it's obviously red. Well, maybe that's just a blatant lie. Right. So we can figure that out. But if I say I can't accomplish things and I can't change my life, that's not true actually, right. but I believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. So it, in my own space, that is the truth because that's what I believe. If you were able to read minds, you would just know that the flat earther really believes in flat earth. You wouldn't know if that was true or not yeah. until you yeah. had something else that you could compare it to. And I, well, and I couldn't say that the flat earther is acting out of malice and trying to try right. or betray me, even though he is lying. Right. I mean, you could probably speed up the judicial system some for people that like, but then you get minority report scenario and that's dangerous. Right. too. And, I think that it would be interesting just to kind of carry on that tangent because it's something that I've always thought of is that like if some miraculous technology came out where you could like essentially read minds, right? You could see everything and it was all post – like let's say your entire life is posted, not just the things you willingly post. Literally everything is recorded. Like there's tiny black hole cameras that you can't see. They're invisible. They record absolutely everything on the entire planet all at once all the time, right? So the entire planet's under surveillance and anybody can access any amount of data on any person ever, right? There will be a short but violent window where a lot of things like you, that you never wanted to know about people, all of the skeletons in the closet, all of the terrible things, everybody will try to hold against each other, right? Mm-hmm. Until, but that window, That's already happening now, actually, right, it, it, it is to a lesser extent. Right, right. It's not everything, mm-hmm. but it's... But when you get to the point where you realize that everybody has these problems, mm-hmm. then you you actually make a huge leap towards human acceptance, right? Right. Where all of a sudden, it, it doesn't matter how many people Granny screwed in her 20s. It's there. You can know it if you want to. You don't have to. You can move on, but everybody has some dark thing in the closet, right? Like... For a while, everybody would be like, no, those are my secrets. Don't let them out. Uh, But once – it has to be all or none. It can't – Once everyone's humiliated, now there's no more humiliation. (laughs) It has to be everyone. It can't – nobody can be excluded. It has to be like no opt-in, no opt-out. It's it's all or nothing. If it's anything less than that, then you have class divides and rah, rah, rah. But if it is everyone, then 
we all get over a bunch of stuff real quick. We have to. Otherwise, we the society just falls apart and everything burns. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the other thing that that... that and this is kind of what Gladwell's point is. So now here I am recreating. The <laughs> I just don't want to, I just don't want to make it seem like I think this is my original thought. Right. I'm literally well, that's fair. Right? I think it's so, good. But, um, but his whole point is, is kind of like, well, the problem with, with that is that it eliminates the, the luxury that time affords us or the possibilities that time affords us. Because maybe you say something to me, and my reaction is negative internally, but I don't share that with you. Right. And then later over time process it and then come back to you and say something that's an appropriate response because I've processed it more. Or maybe you realize that you were wrong and you didn't, that's and then you, or you don't even have to respond at all. Cause you're like, Oh, well I was dumb and judgmental and I shouldn't have been. So now I don't even have to say anything right. at all. But if you could read my mind, then in that moment, you're going to be pissed, right? right? Because I was judgy about it. And now, so it actually kind of almost also might create more conflict yeah. or more confusion because people should be allowed time to process things yeah. and think about things and consider th and learn, right? That's what learning mm -hmm. is, you know? Um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting, kind of an interesting thought because it's, it's like, well, how could we eliminate all lying and it's like well that sounds really great except again pe people lie to themselves in some really fundamental ways you would have to find a way to eliminate falseness from the universe right which isn't you would have to then understand the entire universe at which point you'd basically be a deity so yeah well and it also I mean again like if you do an affirmation that is like I'm proud of myself for being at my target weight, but I'm not at my target weight yet. Right. Am I lying? Technically, right? I'm saying something that's mm -hmm. not true, but now it's good. Like now I'm, I'm using that as a service to myself. Right. You know what I mean? So, so I certainly don't want to do away with that version of it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the difference is, is you can read your own mind. <laughs> yeah. You'd think, you'd think, you'd think you can, but Brochure Man has taught me otherwise. That's fair, that's, that's fair. Brochure Man has taught me otherwise. I don't know where he gets his stuff up, but I don't hear it. <laughs> I don't know. If I had his skills, I would be a salesman yeah, somewhere. Yeah, right. He's very like talented. a lot of money. Right, right, yeah. Don't have those skills, though. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my, because I, I hadn't really talked to my counselor about Brochure Man and all. I brought that up the other day, and I was like, well, now you probably think I need to like lay down on the couch and really dive in now that I've brought up my second personality. And she was like, as long as you don't actually see him and like interact with him. And I was like, no, I don't. She's like, okay, we're probably right. <laughs> Well, so something else I wanted to touch on actually relating to therapy and counseling is um, I know people who I think would greatly benefit from therapy and counseling. In fact, I, probably everyone would on some I level. I think but... every, I am the everyone camp. If it's a good, if you get a good therapist, I've had well, a so bunch that's of what I was gonna, 
but that's exactly what I wanted to touch on was I know people who have tried it. They've gone more than once mm-hmm. to, you know, multiple different therapists over several years and have never found anyone that they thought was really helping them and that they really clicked with. And so they just don't believe that it's a viable thing right. because they've just seen where it's not. And, and you yourself were kind of in that. Definitely for a long time. And so that's what I, I guess that's kind of what I wanted to to ask you about or have you talked about a bit was just kind of like, what has that experience been like now finding a therapist that you do click with? I mean, I've become, you've heard me, I've become a hype man for getting a therapist. I I think part of that too, is that is just becoming more socially acceptable now. Um, Where even when I was first looking for it more than 15 years ago, um it was not and that's something that has changed just in the last five years or so as it really become more mainstream to be open about uh and it's not called a shrink anymore you know and it's not looked at or portrayed negatively in a lot of like tv shows or anything um but also it was just like I think when I probably needed a therapist the most, I didn't know how to find one. I didn't know what to look for. So I just thought that, well, you're like a doctor. And if I need, if I need a doctor, I don't really care. They're all pretty much the same, which isn't true. People will shop around for doctors too. And I have in the past, but I didn't think about it that way. I just thought like, you're supposed to be a professional, better human than me. So I'm just, you know, whatever. Um, but I've had bad, um, both psychologists and psychiatrists, both I've had terrible of. And I think it took me a long time before I was willing to write down what I want. Like, and being, and being willing to say like my first day in therapy with my new therapist, I had like three goals. Um, I had to walk in and swear because I had to be able to be open emotionally when I was angry or sad or happy or ecstatic. So I need to drop an F bomb. Yep. Um, and see that, and I'm going to watch how they react. Um, I got to come in in comfortable, non-professional everyday clothes, probably the worst everyday clothes that I have because I want to see how they judge me um, on a bad, a bad day, quote unquote. Sure. Um, and I don't remember. I, I had some criteria laid out. The funny thing is, is all of that was blown out the window and it, it was kind of like, like kismet or, or synchronistic where I walked in and she was in her socks and in like pajama pants and a um, like a comfortable oversized t-shirt and had art on all over all over the walls of all kinds of different stuff that all art that I appreciated and then swore at me first <laughs> <laughs> so but, you, yeah she was like well ain't that the fucking truth I, I've heard that a lot and I'm like well she like disarmed every one of my traps like, I right. was like, I'm going to get this therapist and I'm going to make sure that I know that they're right, right. for me. And I'm going to set up this devious puzzle box and, and I'm going to make them salt. And there's like, boink. And it just opened up. And I was like, right. oh, you're just the one. Right. Like, <laughs> like yeah. 
okay, uh, I don't know where to go from here because I had like an hour worth of material ready to do, and we wow. got through that in the first five minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you told me the medical journal studies that I usually use as ammo for my other therapists when they aren't up to snuff on the types of things that I struggle with. Right. And I don't want to come out saying like, I know more than you, not because I'm not a right. doctor, but a lot of doctors will take it that way. And it's not that I know more than they do. It's that I know more about myself than they do. And I've probably hyper-focused. First meeting. Right. And I've probably also, it, just the way I do is I hyper-study things. I've studied the things that I deal with or I've been told that I deal with and the things that connect to them a whole lot more than they probably have because they probably have broad generalized studies. Right. And she wasn't even that way with that. She's like, nope, studied more than you. No more recent medical <laughs> journals than you do. And it's like, well, I got nothing. Okay, so you're the therapist now. Great. All right, where do we go from here? Because I've never been further than this. <laughs> right. All in yeah. the first session. And, and and like one of the things that she did, she had, she had brought up a, a topic and she's like, oh, you sound like you may suffer from this. And I was like, what is that? I don't understand. And she's like, well, here's the deal. I can take 20 minutes to explain it to you, or you seem like a smart enough individual with access to the internet. You can just believe me when I say that I think that you relate to that. You can go research it, and we can come back next week and talk about where you think you're alike and different. Wow. And I was like, I really respected it because I'm like, wait a minute. You're saying that you don't want to waste my time in a job where you are paid by the hour. Right. Like you were telling me that you would rather me not pay you for that. Right. It, she's so respecting of my time. She's like, that's not that's not what we're here to do. Just go home and learn. And now I get homework assignments from my therapist. Right. A and and that's but that keeps me on. It keeps me engaged in my I'm learning about myself. And I did go research. And I said, well, I think these things are me, but these are the things that aren't. So don't don't stereotype me too far into that because these things aren't me. And that helps her because she's like, oh, OK, you're this minus that. Right. And now she can target her her work better onto me. And it's just I, I've I've called her like a sniper. Like I'll talk for twenty minutes about my week and stuff that I don't think is important. Just kind of whatever. I'm just until we yeah. land on something. And I'll be in a totally fine, just like you and me talking right now. She's like, Cool. So I'm gonna tell it say a statement and you tell me how you feel and she'll say something and I'll just be like, Well, I didn't think there was any emotions attached to that, but obviously I was wrong because you said that and now I'm crying. <laughs> and it's just like she's like downtown with a sniper rifle, just throws one little thing and it just right. breaks through all my defenses. And it's, but it, in such a good way and in such a helpful right. way, that's like, I did not know that about myself. Right. And I've had a lot of therapists that do that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. That'll be a hundred dollars. Right. And it's like, and I've had the ones that are like, uh, no, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Here's, here's three prescriptions for horse tranquilizers. Right. I don't need to hear any more. I've literally gotten prescriptions for some of the most powerful like medications known to man within 15 minutes. Right. And that's just, and I'm like, I'm not taking any of these. I looked them right. up. <laughs> right. And the medica, the, the, I'm supposed to work up this dosage. You're giving me weight. Yeah. So, 
so I've had a lot of bad experiences and I, I think it, it was setting the intention. It, it really was like, this was before I was doing affirmations, but it was setting an intention. This is what I'm going to look for. I also had a positive review from somebody else, which I, I don't think again would have happened if it was secret culture time that having a therapist was something to be ashamed of. Right. I met somebody who is like, who I shared my problems with. They shared their problems with me and they're like, I'm in therapy with this great therapist that has helped. Maybe you'd like them. I'm like, oh no, I've done that. She's like, no, they're different. They're good. This is why I think they're amazing. And she harped on me for six months before I was willing to even mm -hmm. try to get in and then found out that my therapist doesn't take new clients. She mm. waits for it to align. So it wasn't until I, you know, I wrote, a, I started journaling because I wanted to have all of the questions that every other therapist has ever asked me answered before I went there. And instead, she didn't ask any of those questions and said, basically, oh, well, you've already journaled about them. So just share the Google Doc with me and I can review it in my spare time and we could just move on. Or you've already probably done the work, so we'll figure out where to go from where you are now instead of where you were two months ago when you started journaling. Right. And it was like, again, just cut through all my defenses. And it was the only time I've ever – like it's also something – so one thing I want to share – which I find so interesting, and I, and I had this discussion with her, is that I am willing to be more open and honest with what is essentially a stranger that I am paying money to than I would be with any other stranger in the world. Now, some of that, there's a level of trust and you know maybe some HIPAA laws and stuff in there, but, sure. but really not. That's all, again, like you said, just kind of made up stuff that we assume is true. And it's one of those things where she sees me as I am today. Unlike, cause we've had discussions that I would consider therapeutic um, and they've been awesome and good and whatever, but there is still, you have still built a version of me up over the like 10 or so years that we've been friends. Right. Sure. And, and whether that may be a much better version of me than even I think a lot of times it is, but it's still like, I can't – anybody that I talk to is going to have some past history. I can't talk mm -hmm. about certain – or I feel like I can't talk about certain things with parents or maybe I frame them differently because I want to keep up their image of me or whatever. I'm worried about my image or I think other people have an image or maybe they do and that they have a bias of going to school with you your whole life or whatever or that right. one time in band camp or what, whatever the case is that happened that they have some framework built on – this therapist does not have. So when they tell me, like when she says, like, well, I think you're doing a really good job. I'm proud of you. It hits me in a way that it went like if you or somebody else were to say it, it's like, yeah, but you've known me forever. So of course you're going to be on my side. Right. You know, and I'm here to get problems fixed. And they're telling me that I'm doing a good job. Like it's just different. And, it, and it's also – it's so – if you find a therapist and they're unbiased, which is how a therapist should be, the things that they say that are negative about you won't hurt as bad because you're the one that said them. <laughs> and they're just right. saying it back to you and you suddenly realize it. Uh, and right. the, But it's also the positive things that they tell you that you don't believe about yourself 
And they're like, yeah, but you just said it. You just did it. You don't realize that that took a lot of effort. And or nobody or you don't realize that nobody else sees it that way. Nobody else sees the work that you're doing. I do. And it's right. it's those things. You know, you see the the Facebook memes or whatever all the time of like mental illness is silent and nobody knows how hard it is to get out of bed every day, which is true. There's truth to those, but they're almost as terrible as the motivational posters that were like persistence and it's a guy biking up a mountain or something, you know, like it memes before memes right <laughs> they were like meme pictures before we could share them on the right. internet so <laughs> but it, it's it, it it's just not as human as actually recognizing it in somebody and mm-hmm. i think that that having somebody around that can do that if you have a friend that does that that's great and I think that's a good step towards therapy. I still would say that a, a trained professional um, is going to have a little bit more insight, if anything else, a good one. Um, yeah. But again, I, my, my dad always told the joke of uh, what do you call a doctor that graduated last in this class? Well, doctor. Cause, just because they were the worst doctor in their class sees get degrees. And there's a lot of those. There's right. a lot of those in every profession. And there's a lot of people who didn't go to college who are great at their job, you know. Right. But there's there's something to be said for there are good and bad ones, and there are ones that may not fit you, especially – I mean we're in the Midwest, so being um, ad- religion adjacent <laughs> right. um, is, is even – that which a lot of other places, you'd be like, well, agnostic people are – everywhere no big deal and it's like no agnostic people get like hanged around here like maybe not maybe not physically but definitely there's some shunning going on you know yeah uh, there are groups that i won't bring that up in <laughs> right yeah right yeah no yeah absolutely absolutely and so it's... so to find a therapist that you know like it which i we we had discussed with her was like it's one thing to find somebody that like to be a friend with right that likes video games and then the, the more things you tack onto that the less likely you're going to find somebody that fits that thing right so like i want a friend that likes video games but also not too much and isn't super obsessed with shooters and does enjoy you know but also reads books and also likes physics and also like the more of those and also's the less likely you're going to find that person right mm. and that's the same way with a therapist is I want a therapist in the Midwest that isn't hyper-religious and doesn't use Jesus as the first thing that I need, you know, who also is open to more outside ideologies, but is also college trained or educated and up on modern medical journals and, 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 and is okay with swearing and me coming in my PJs and you know all of these things it's like that reduces it down to a really low number but i was still able to find it Mm -hmm. and more and more than i would have asked for right and it's like that didn't happen until and it really was even though i'd sent the first email out to her Mm -hmm. once i start saying hey i'd like to become a patient how do i do that i don't even know it's been so long since i've been down this road that i don't really know anymore you tell me what's next. Here's what I think I suffer from, you know? But then just because I'd done that, I started journaling. Cause I was like, Oh, well 
I want to be able to answer the questions that I, on the spot, I suck at answering. So I'm going to have some answers written down. And I mean, I didn't hear a response from her for like, I don't know, a month or two months. Oh, wow. And yeah, like, I mean, at least, at least two to four weeks before I got my first response of like, and that was like, hey, I'll try to get something on the schedule. I don't have anything right now. And so I started thinking, well, that's when I started asking myself, well, what if she doesn't work out? What if I walk in and I hate her? Right. I'm st- I'm still on this path now where I think it's I think I'm ready for it, you know? And I think I would try I want to be able to try again. I don't want to feel like a failure if she's not the one. So right. that's when I started kind of writing down and getting ideas for what the tests that I need to put her through because I need to take charge of my therapy just as much as I need to take charge of my doctor. If I don't believe that my doctor is giving me good advice or good medication, or is unwilling to do blood work for something or whatever, then I need to look for another doctor. Because I need to figure out, get a second opinion. Are they right and I'm just being a hypochondriac about this and I don't need blood work? Or are they wrong because they're not seeing the underlying genetic history of some rare disease or disorder, right? You know, like... And so I I just decided, I was like, one's not going to be a failure. But I'm going to get my money's worth and I'm going to get as much out in the first session as I can. So I'm just, I'm not going to hold back anymore because I don't care what they think about me. I had to decide, I do not give a fuck what this therapist thinks. I'm going to come in, guns blazing, shoot all of the ammo that I have, the biggest guns that I have, the wildest, craziest bullshit that I deal with. I'm going to fire it at them and I'm going to see how they take it. Because I've had some, I mean, I've been to like the free therapy clinic that has some grad student working on their master's program who's doing work for free right and Mm -hmm. i've walked in and think that i may have caused people to to reconsider their careers right (laughs) like oh i may not want to be in this field if i can deal with this crazy guy like you know and i've so i wanted to do that i wanted to be like i'm gonna throw everything at you see how you handle it because if this is a no i don't want to find out this is a no six months down the road that's a lot of money right. to invest. I'm not in network right now. <laughs> right. So this is not on my health insurance. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I was, but I was also ready to like, because I was prepped, I was prepping for war. I was just as ready to like, all right, if I knock this one dead and they're not for me, I'm ready to go to the next one. I already have all of the tools and ammo and everything ready. I'm going to keep doing this until I find one. And I had decided that. And it's like once I had decided that, that's when the universe was like, okay, we'll give you the best one then. If you're going right. to do all this work anyway, we'll just, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's how it really happened or I just got incredibly lucky, but whatever. Well, that's, so that's what I was just thinking is that it, it could be described as lucky, except that luck is described as when preparation meets opportunity. Heard last and week on case, the walk show. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, also, not my original right, saying. Right, no, I get it. But cliche, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what happened. You prepared, and then you had an opportunity, and it so happened that this was the oppor- this was the opportunity. Right. But because you had done that preparation, you could take advantage of it. And if it hadn't been, as you just said, you're ready to go to the next opportunity. And so then, if it had been the fifth counselor, then did you get? Then you'd think you got really lucky because right. oh my god, I looked forever. I finally found this one. How lucky? Yeah. Actually, not. Still same thing. Still because well, you prepared. And, and you know, for anybody that is or has been on the therapy journey. Again, just like with anything else, one session does not a fix make. 
Right. Like, just like working out, just like any of these other, you've got to let it be a habit. And there will be therapy sessions where you go in and you say some stuff or you talk too long or there's nothing meaningful to be had there. Or in my case, I go in a lot of different directions. There's a lot of things that are wrong to the point where my therapist said, okay, pick one. Like, right. we can't fix everything all at once. And I can't tell you what you want to fix about yourself. So your homework this week is pick one. Pick one to fix, one thing to work on that we can go deep on. She's like, I have enough of the surface level of all the different problems that I can help suggest some things, but they're the same suggestions that you've given. So now if you're ready to go to the next step, we have to target and pick just one thing and let's jump in deep. Let's get ready to do like a, a four-hour session. She does EMDR therapy. Um, she's like, well, let's get ready to do a deep session where you go twice a month instead of every week. And one is for three se- three hours and one is for one hour. It's still four hours in the month. So, you know, I can budget right. for it. My budget doesn't change, but, and maybe she's willing to, you know, email me a writing prompt if I need one or whatever like mm-hmm. she's willing to work with me in the way that i need to be worked with and that's the way your therapist and sometimes you'll know what that is and sometimes you won't right. you may not know how a therapist needs to treat you some of it is going to be instinct but some of it is going to be it's going to take more than one session and sometimes you'll have a bad session and other times you'll have a session where the sniper comes out and you're just walking down the street and boom, your shields are down, your emotions are exposed, and you learn something deep about yourself that you never knew. Yeah, well, and then, you know, the thing that I'm hearing in this conversation so much is just, I just keep thinking about, about nuance, like I said earlier, because, you know, on one hand, we're saying, hey, your therapist might not be right for you, so find another one, right? Like, you might try a therapist and they don't work, and that's fine. Simultaneously, you might go to a therapist, and just because you don't get something out of a session doesn't mean that that's the wrong person, right? So my point in saying that isn't that it's confusing or that it's bad advice or something. It's that there's nuance. Like it's not easy. Things are not, things are not just right, left. Right. It's just not, you basically not have to walk out. Like, I mean, I walked in prepared for war, but yeah. I was prepared to walk out knowing that like, basically you have to ask yourself, were they so bad that if this was because of them having the worst day of their life, are they still too bad for me? to want to go back because you never know what the worst day of somebody's life is. Right. Right. So being able to say like, well, that wasn't great, but what if this was their worst day and they were just not on their game? Am I willing to, if if that were the case, would I forgive them and try again? And if the answer is no, they're still like, they wouldn't accept anything about me and they're a terrible person. And I don't think that's right for me. Then yeah, look for the next one. But if you can give that forgiveness, then try again. But the, the constraints get a little bit tighter each time, right? Like every day can't be your therapist's worst day because that's why you're going there. 
Well, like I know a person that, that went to a therapist for, I don't know, a few months. Yeah. And the therapist was just really, really passive with them. So they, the therapist would, would like make some very loose suggestions about things that they, that this person could, the patient could do to, you know, modify their behavior or whatever. But it was all very, again, all very kind of passive. And it wasn't any, what the therapist, this particular therapist wasn't doing was they weren't trying to like, they weren't trying to have the person, this patient talk things out and then maybe help them see a different angle of right. it or like, well, thought about it this way. And so the patient was like, well, I just don't think I'm getting anything out of this. And it's like, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think there are going to be times where you might see a therapist for a few times and maybe you aren't getting anything out of it. Try someone else. And, and that's the reason that I wanted to bring this up and wanted you to talk about that is because again, nuance, like, are all therapists the same? No, yeah. they're not all. They're not all bad. They're, it's made up of individuals. There can also be of... good therapists that don't specialize in what your particular case yeah. is, and yeah. they could be. I actually had one of my prior to this best therapists that I'd ever been to told me she's like, I, like I went to her for like three sessions, and on the third session she's like, "Well, I'm going to admit something." She's like, "I mean, I think I can help you. I don't think I'm as prepared to help you as what you need." She's like, because I'm a child psychologist. She's like, I specialize in, especially in early developmental childhood psychology. Mm. And, and I mean, this was when I was like 26. (laughs) And, and I was like, that's really fair. I appreciate you saying that. Like, but it's also was kind of depressing because it was like, this is the best one yet. And she's actually saying that I'm probably not a good fit for her. Right. And it's like being turned down for a job. Like you got like three right. interviews in, you think you're guaranteed in, and now it's right. we went with somebody else. It's like so that can happen too. And and you may not know like I didn't know what all I struggled with. In fact, until late last year, early this year, I didn't even know the particular like where on the particular spectrum of issues I was falling. I was just told big broad terms by everybody else that it was like, these don't seem to fit. And I tried to research them and tried and tried and tried and never hit on anything until I remembered something that one of my first therapists said kind of condescendingly as Mm. if like, yes, I know what you're talking about. But it was so quick that I had forgotten about it until I looked it up and I was actually like, that's not it. But the next Wikipedia article that's related is it. And I, and so then I was able to finally like, this is the thing. Oh my God, I found it. Um, then you can find it. So you may have to see a couple therapists to figure out what wheelhouse of therapists you need to see. Like right. you need somebody who specializes in post-traumatic stress disorder or, uh, you know, therapy for, for people that have had, you know, sexual assault incidents or whatever, or sexual behavior therapy. Maybe you believe yourself a deviant. Like there is a therapist that, that works on each of those things. And if you don't know what it is, maybe start with like a free clinic or, you know, what is available in reduced pay or, or however that the sliding scales. Um, there's a lot of places that'll do it. Does your work offer a few sessions of free therapy. Sometimes health insurance plans do, and a lot of them don't talk about it. Pull mm-hmm. up your benefits plan, see, dig into it, call your representative, find out, ask why they don't. That'll make them, I'll make them scream right. a little. Um, ask your boss why they don't. 
<laughs> be it rebel against society, bring down the man, right. burn it all. Rage against but um, but yeah, it may take you going to a few therapists that say, "Oh, I I think I know what you have. This is it. I don't specialize in that. Ask for a referral." I, I actually like the way you your style. I know that I may not be a fit for you. Do you know somebody that that I I could work with? Right. You know, find books on the subject. There's a lot of remote therapy now. There's a lot of people that offer sessions via Skype. Uh, you know, like video sharing platforms, whatever. Whether you have an Android or an Apple or your FaceTime or whatever, there's a lot of ways to get it in in. Maybe you get somebody that offers you writing prompts. Maybe you can only spend a few bucks a month to, to get a face to face thing that maybe is 15 minutes. Ask him, like, hey, what are things that I should research? What are books that I should read? What are things I should write about? Mm-hmm. You ha- it, again, it all comes back to part of it is taking that control and saying, I'm responsible for it. I'm ready for it. Um, and being willing to see that you know, say and see, I'm not perfect. And then being proud to say that you're ready to work on it. It, it sucks when I've been in the deepest, darkest of places. And it's really hard at that point to say, I'm proud that I want to go see a therapist. Yep. But you should be proud because that means that you're ready. You, or at least you want, you recognize that you want to fix what is wrong. And I, and I think that that's, that's so important and that's not something to be further depressed about. That's not something to keep going through the vicious cycle of self-hatred. It is totally 100%. In fact, if you don't think you need a therapist, go see a therapist just to see, yeah. just to see right. it. Yeah. Cause you're probably in a much better situation. Like Cool. See if you can get even better or see if right. you do actually have some things. There's a lot of people like the people who say, OK, I think I need to see a therapist. They're the bravest ones. The people who say, no, I'm perfect as I am. They're the ones that need it more than you. Right. <laughs> they're the one yeah. everybody can improve. Nobody's perfect. If you think you're perfect, you really need a therapist because you're a narcissist. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Right. Yeah. Well, like so. Uh, my counselor, what she had, had given me is this book um, called Feeling Good that I'll probably talk about for a whole episode at some point once I've completed it. It's a, a dense read, so I don't know how quick that will be. Right. But um, but it's awesome. It's this book written in like 1982, I think, by a Dr. Burns. Um, and it's all about cognitive behavioral therapy to treat depression and anxiety. And I'm only on like chapter six, I think. And I already fully believe that everyone should read that book, whether or not you think you suffer from depression and anxiety in a chronic way. I don't think anyone is free from at least the occasional depressive thought or feeling of hopelessness or, or whatever the case. If may we be. were never afraid of lions and tigers, we would have all been eaten. So anxiety is just something that exists. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's like, um, I don't know. I just, this, the that book has been so fascinating for me already, partly because it's helped me understand other people in my life that suffer really badly from those things and kind of to more clearly understand what it is that they're going through and what it is, how they're seeing the world. Um, but the thing that so far the book has suggested, which is something you said very early in this conversation, 
is that whenever you're having these, whenever you have these thoughts, it's so important to write them down. Yeah. Like you said, with the posture thing where you wrote, wrote it down and now you can read it and now it's a question and now you can have a different conversation. It seems silly and trivial because you're just writing something down on a post-it note. So it's like, well, how much power could that really have? The answer is a fuck ton. Yeah, a, have a crazy amount. Time. I still have right. one of the two post-it notes. I don't have to have the just one pull-up post-it note anymore because I'm out of that. Right. But the posture post-it note stays there because I still sometimes suck at that, like right now right. or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, but it's like – so I, I, th there's so much value in writing stuff down. Oh, yeah. And I think people it, – it's a shame, and I was this way until – somewhat recently, honestly, but there's so much skepticism around self-improvement stuff because there are a lot of snake oil vendors out mm -hmm. there and there's a lot of, and, and the other thing that's true, that's not even snake oil is that a lot of this stuff is cliche. Like you could summarize a lot of what we talk about with like, Oh, that's the power of positive thinking. Yeah, it's like, right. well, it kind of is, you know, or like that's being self-motivated. Yeah. Well, that's just the Nike slogan. Mm -hmm. and just do it. Like we've all heard that for our whole lives, you know, like, you also don't yeah. realize how much truth it is. But also there's some things where it is hyper aggrandized, right? Like just do it is like a guy dunking. Like it's Jordan dunking, right? Yeah. If you can't do one pull up, you probably don't feel like you can dunk a basketball. You probably don't feel like you can clean your bedroom. Yeah. Like, all right, well, don't clean your whole bedroom. Pick up one piece of trash today. Yep. Like yep. what is the smallest thing that you can do in the darkest yeah. moment? what throw away the snotty tissue which again that's you know the journey of a thousand steps begins it, with one eating an elephant, elephant one bite at a time right. yeah it so it's like there's there are all these cliches that everyone already knows and that people dismiss very casually but again I, i'm i I'm think that's because like, some of it is framed too metaphorically i think some of it yeah. needs to be framed more realistically like even if the only thing that you can do today is throw away the tissue that you've been crying in for six hours, that is an accomplishment. Yep. Like, yep. talk to the people right. that are in that spot. No, but very few people are trying to eat an entire elephant. You know, very right. few people right. are trying to walk across the country. So they don't relate to it. They don't engage with the metaphor. And, and right. like, like, you know, your friend Chris that's been on uh, uh, with poetry it's it's you have to engage emotionally with your target audience and a right. journey of a thousand steps does not engage emotionally with me maybe, maybe right. a video game of a thousand hours begins with a single start click you know like maybe that's <laughs> a little bit closer to what i need you know? yeah. <laughs> right. but oh. you know i think that i think that it's good that we're getting to be more comfortable with it with emotion with talking mm -hmm. about our problems like I'm interested to see what happens if I were to set up a little stand downtown or something that's like, tell me your worst problem. And I'll tell you mine, you know, or whatever, right. you know, like, like you said, engaging with strangers is difficult, but at the same time, I just paid a stranger to help me with my problems, you know, now granted right. it's because they, I think I believe in the truth that they have some knowledge or foresight. Right. But yeah, it, it, I think that aligning these metaphors to something that people can grasp and like be proud of going to therapy, tell your friends, post about it on Like I, in fact, started being more willing to talk about my stuff because of another friend of mine um, who we even started as not very good friends. We had a mutual friend and 
but she started going through some stuff and she had gone to a therapist for years but started talking about it more openly then started doing live live videos about it and then started talking about the problems they go through their depression their anxiety their troubles their bad days they wouldn't stream on their good days they streamed their worst days and showed the worst bits of it and it was like it helped normalize it for me right and it's like it's okay in fact i was like wow you are so brave for doing this and i thought that because i wasn't brave enough to go mm -hmm. and much less talk about it right and, you know there's certain things that i won't say because the public at large is not ready for some of those conversations, right? Like right. there, there are things that can still get us in trouble. Um, but whether that be because I think it will, or it actually could, I don't know, but there's certain things that I'm going to keep out for now until more of that is normalized. And, right. but I hope to help normalize it. I hope to help bring that closer by being open about it and, and right. being open about my successes and my failures and the times where I did take, the doctor's word for it and took horse tranquilizing pills and suffered the worst events of my life where I slept for 36 hours. And, right. and it wasn't because I wanted to, it was the medication. I had to combat crawl out of my bed because my legs didn't work. Cause my doctor gave me this pill like, right. okay, lesson learned, not doing that anymore. And being right. strong enough to say, that's not for me. That's not the route that I want to go. You know, right. and it, and all of that was hard. All of it was difficult. It was scary to sit. It was scary to be there in the moment. It was also scary to say, you're wrong doctor. After I took this pill for the third day in a row, like, oh, it'll get right. better. It just has to get into your system. Like, no, this is not something I want in my system, you know? And that's not to say that medication is bad. I've also been on a number of medications that have worked. Um, and I fully support people that use them to take a step forward or to take their next step. Um, I would, all I say is, you know, be mindful of what you're taking and how long you're taking it, that there are some doctors that will give you a medication that'll make you feel great. That's not actually going to fix your problems, you know? So combine medication with therapy, use it as something to get through what you need to get through right. and, and try to yeah. move through it and move on. Use it as like the lever or the pulley right. or whatever that will help get a little momentum, yeah. but it's not the end game. And yeah, I, clearly I'm not a doctor, not a medical professional. Oh yeah, no, I, I cannot speak for, yeah. Yeah, I'm not qualified to make the statement I'm about to make, but for the vast majority of people, so not all people, but for the vast majority of people, especially in the context of depression and anxiety, I just, I, I, I have yet to be convinced that drugs are the answer. Right. And again, not that they can't be a part of the answer, Correct. not that they can't help, but it is not the final answer. And it, I, I've just I've seen too much personal anecdotal stuff, and I get that it's that it's anecdotal. Yeah. It's my own experience, but I've 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 just seen it, and I've I've uh, I just yeah I I fundamentally believe that behavior and patterns is where it's at, and like I said at the beginning of this conversation, I think it's the cheat code. It's the game genie to the whole thing. It's habits, and and one uh, one other final thing I'd like to add, I guess, to that is. In that Feeling Good book today, I was reading it, and again, this is not unique to this book, but it was talking about procrastination and the confusion that procrastinators, which I myself am, have, is that they think that, that they're supposed to feel inspired mm -hmm. and then take the action. And it's actually the opposite. It's actually, you take the action, that then leads to motivation, which then leads to doing the action again, which then recycles into motivation, which then recycles into action. And that's actually the loop. 
But just like I was talking about where I was trying to find this epiphany for my whole life and couldn't, mm-hmm. it's, it's because I was doing exactly that. I was trying to find an intellectual understanding that would lead me to feeling differently and acting differently. And that's actually, well, and it's actually, you act differently, then you will feel differently. Then you understand it differently. Well, and I think what a lot of people say myself as an artist and a procrastinator and something that I still struggle with is that I'll say I'm waiting to be inspired or I'm, I'm just waiting for my muse or I'm got a little bit of a artist block or whatever. It's not that I need, it's not that I need inspiration. It's that I lack courage. Right. That I am actually afraid to take the first step because I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen if I do get inspired or if I do decide to start, like my whole life could change if I take this step, you know, what if I do become an amazing artist? Then how do I have to deal with it? You know, like it's not that I'm waiting to be inspired. It's that I'm afraid of taking that first step. And that is the, that's the the first thing you've got to get over is getting over that fear. And I think that the best way to do that is to take a smaller step to break it down. And like I said, break it down into the most embarrassingly uncomfortable, tiny step. Don't break it down into like one day. I think a lot of that was from the, um, uh, own your day on your life. Um, by. Aubrey, whatever Joe wrote. And, uh, it, it, it broke it down into one hour chunks and even broke yeah. those down into things to do in that one hour. And it, it gave me some of that framework that I needed of like, I can break it down to a sticky note. I can break it down to one word. I can break, right. and you can do, you can take that a step further and, and, and take some like, Oh God, what's his name? I can't remember his name now, but you, you can basically make a glyph out of it. Right? Like if you're embarrassed mm-hmm. by the sticky note that says, brush oh is it like grant morrison or uh, no alex grant maybe it is grant morrison anyway i think you're right the guy who's a he's like a graphic novel writer so, guy yeah, yeah I th- and he talks about like, yes, symbols yes that yes, you... yes i don't i don't know if it's grant morrison i, I think it is you're, i, I think you're on the right track um but yeah so say you're embarrassed by like you don't brush your teeth every day you brush them twice a week right and you want to get better right. at that well you don't want at work that if you want to brush your teeth on lunch or something and you don't want people seeing a sticky note that says brush your teeth more often, or maybe you don't right. even want to see it because you feel so embarrassed right. by it. Right. Then take all of the letters in that sentence or just in the word teeth and merge them together. Maybe like take out all the duplicates, whatever, turn it into a doodle. It doesn't even have to be that doodle something. Uh, right. Cause you be a circle with a dot. Right. In it, you know, you know what that means. I, there's a lot of times that I'll use Sharpie on my hand and I'll put like, x and people are like well you're a minor or something i'm like no that's to remind myself to get groceries after work like because i know what it means paint a fingernail like there was somebody that painted one fingernail blue to remind themselves not to chew their nails because they'd see it anytime like it was in the corner of their vision like any it doesn't matter nobody's gonna like they may somebody might ask you why is your fingernail blue and you could just tell them i like blue i don't know it's the thing i'm doing it's the new me they don't have to know fuck them and like What's the sticky note with the doodle? Oh, I just like it. You know, it was, I, I, I just have to. And the real truth is that pretty much no one's going to ask. Yeah, nobody's going like, to care to begin with because they've got their own life the, to worry about. Yeah, that's the thing that I always, that that's so, I, I bring up constantly when it comes to like insecure slash paranoid people is that it's like, 
you're paranoid that all these people are out to get you. And the, the, the real truth is actually much colder than that. And that is that no one fucking cares. Right. That's actually way more brutal than it's <laughs> true. They yeah, they all care so much about they you that they to. want to sabotage you. Yeah, they all have to make because you're such a threat to, to their interact. lives. Right. No, in fact, they they don't care. They don't right. care. Like outside of the few people that are in your life that you know, they don't care. And that's not meant to be mean. No. It's actually liberating because they don't care. Because <laughs> you can you have a sticky care. note, a drawing of a stick figure to remind you to right. to wear clean socks today. Or, right. you know, and and once you do it that second or third time, then you're able to do the one thing, brushing your teeth once a day or once every other day. Okay. It makes it easier to do it again and again and again. Now you've got a habit, and now we're right back there. And yep. then that same symbol can become something that means something more to you than just brushing your teeth. Maybe it does mean a whole self-care routine. And maybe you eventually get it tattooed to yourself because it becomes an important part of your life. Like, and those are all amazing things. And I and do them. Do the stupid, weird stuff that doesn't matter to anybody else, and do it for yourself. Like, because you're the only yeah. person that you should that gets to enjoy your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the end, you know, it's the, the again the cliche of you know everyone dies alone kind of thing, and it's like everyone everyone actually lives alone right. too. And I actually personally believe that relationships are the most important part of life. Like for me, that's the most rewarding and fulfilling thing in my life is relationships I have with people. So it's not to say that relationships don't matter, but at the end of the day, it's right? Me. And it, I'm the one experiencing it's this. It's okay to be for somebody that like myself who, and I think you suffer from too, is giving a lot of yourself out to other people to help other people. Like it's okay to be a little bit selfish. Like, in fact, selfishness is, is kind of required. You have to be selfish to take care of yourself. Well, they're just inherent. Right. So to try and get away from being selfish is as a fool's errand, because it's literally just the way that we operate. Like you eat because you're hungry. Right. You, and you're taking, you know, exactly. Literally, Everything that you do is because you want to do it. Even if that's some grand gesture of generosity, right. you're still doing, feel good to yeah. do it. Like, or because <laughs> you, know? you believe you're going to make a difference and maybe you do, right. but that's still because right. you, you think you're going to do it. And as long as you aren't hurting anybody through your selfishness, then I think it's good selfishness. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very cliched, very connotative word that has very yes. good and important things underneath it that we take the wrong way and i i was like well i don't want to be selfish by taking care of myself and right. my therapist is like do you sa realize how sad sad and dumb you sound right now <laughs> like stop <laughs> it and just instead don't do that like can i start saying <laughs> you in our conversation no. you're not allowed <laughs> she didn't say it quite like that either oh, but it's how okay. i took it because i'm hard on myself so <laughs> She actually probably said something this. like, I think you're an amazing person and taking care of yourself is a good thing and you're doing the right thing. And I probably cried afterwards. And <laughs> I'm not used to hearing that, you know. Right. But, yeah. Well, well I uh, 
greatly appreciate you taking the time to come and, and do this episode here with me. Obviously, we're also available on a regular basis on Pick Up Your Sticks podcast. a little podcast, bit more lighthearted so. on how StarCraft right. yeah. can help you be a life coach. Then. Yeah, yeah, just to be clear, though, fuckfaces, we actually talk about some of this shit on right. that, too, because, yeah, yeah we talk about how game helped us kind of initiate <laughs> this whole process. We avoided that topic here for your benefit. Right. Um yeah, if you want to know how StarCraft can change your life, check out the Sticks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, but 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 in all, all honesty, again, you know, thank you uh, very much, Brett. I really appreciate your, your uh, the generosity of your time and you. Uh, like I said, man, being there and, and really being an inspiration for me through this whole process, I fundamentally am certain that I would not have made it as far as I have if it weren't for our relationship. Well, so, uh, thank I, you very much. I, I don't think I could have been an inspiration to you without your podcast to inspire me to do a lot of this stuff. Like I said, the the working out thing happened because of a conversation you and Misha had about boxing while I was walking the dog. So, I right. mean, if it weren't for the podcast, I wouldn't have been able to motivate you. So thank you. folks well that's going to do it for today's show thank you so much brett lindley for joining the show i really appreciate you uh, coming on and, and having this conversation i had a great great time uh talking about this stuff with you also thanks again to misha's errands for providing the music if you guys ever want to listen to more of misha's music which you should it is uh, there is a link in our show notes that'll take you right to a place where you can access the songs that he's put out there um really appreciate you guys tuning in and checking the show out i hope you have a great rest of the week stay up 